A well-thought-out logistic strategy is tough enough to maintain in stable times, but when chaos hits, the controls go out the window. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Chaos is indeed what Luke Coopersmith, CEO and co-founder of shipping platform Logistic, that's Logistic with a J, calls the current state of affairs when it comes to shipping parcels. The fact that many companies are overpaying for shipping is just the start of the problem. On this episode, I speak with Coopersmith about four distinct mistakes that shippers are making in the current logistics environment. And it's not just because of the pandemic. The problems and oversights that are undermining the most efficient logistic strategies are built into the way that many organizations function on a day-to-day basis. Planning goes out the window. Operational silos hinder a coherent and harmonized approach. Money gets wasted and, worst of all, customers are unhappy. So let's find out what needs to be done to right this ship. Here is my conversation with Luke Coopersmith. Luke Coopersmith, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. Good to be here. Appreciate you having me. Luke, as I understand your premise, thanks to the pandemic, companies these days are undergoing a rapid shift to online shopping and e-commerce fulfillment, and in the process have made a number of mistakes in their logistic strategies. Is that indeed how you're observing the situation these days? Yeah, a good word for it would be chaos. I think that on all fronts, on the front of the carriers, as well as on the businesses or shippers that are trying to get their product to their customers. It has been a big season of change for sure on that front. And definitely there's mistakes that people are making, have been making, and I would say in the midst of chaos get exaggerated. Well, let's run down some of these mistakes specifically. Some of them seem self-evident and some of them are a little bit of a surprise to me. Starting out with this concept of companies overpaying for shipping. Is that indeed the case? You would think that a company's the last thing they'd want to do at a time like this is to pay too much for shipping. Are they doing that? And how is that happening? Well, there's a lot of variables that go into the cost of a shipment. And so naturally within that, there's a lot of opportunities to end up overpaying. And whether that's a factor of the pressure of the circumstances that surround businesses right now and the pressure they're getting from their carriers on the pricing front, or whether that's simply just being unaware of certain charges that come into play. I would say just one of the big overarching themes is businesses oftentimes don't take the time or make the time to look at the past, look at what has happened. And there's a tremendous amount of knowledge that if understood and acted upon in looking at the history of one's shipping and distribution that can ultimately very positively impact the outcome of what will happen next. Theoretically, you would hope and expect that there would be at least one individual within a company whose job is precisely that, is to oversee the shipping aspect. But I'm guessing that even especially in some of the smaller and medium-sized companies, they may not have somebody who is tasked with that specifically. Is that a problem, finding the person who could be doing this? Yeah, I mean, as you say, the smaller the company, the less likely there is an individual who's dedicated to shipping and logistics. But there's multi-billion dollar companies that are a one-man show. It's a one-man department. 
overseeing shipping and distribution or just the cost of shipping, all of that flows to one person. And oftentimes that role is spread across a lot of responsibilities. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge to manage shipping costs within almost any business of any size. Are companies missing the ball on refund opportunities? And indeed, are there refund opportunities out there that could be saving them a lot of money? Yeah, for sure. What shows up on the bill is absolutely prone to error or mistake. And that can be a mistake that was originating from or tying into the shipper's operation. It can also be a factor of the carrier's operations and or billing practices. There's always going to be opportunities to find things that show up on a bill that have the eligibility to be refunded back to the shipper. But if you don't look for it, or if you're not hunting for it, or if somebody isn't hunting for it on your behalf, you're rarely going to get those things volunteered back to you by the carrier. Now, one of the big buzzwords in supply chain and companies today is analytics. And you're seeing a lot of use of analytics, heavy dependence in areas like supply chain planning and procurement, but maybe not so much in logistics strategies. Are you saying that when it comes to logistics and shipping, that companies are not making full use of analytics capabilities? And what does that mean? What extent could that be of help? That really ties back to this concept of taking the time or making the time to look at the past. And analytics are really a historical look. Either having the individual or individuals on your team and available to you to manipulate historical shipping data to produce intelligent analytics that can influence what you do next, or whether that be having a tool, software that's help support that or a vendor or all of the above. Really, I would say there's in an ideal world, a place for all three of those components, having one or more people on your team who are really good with data and manipulating it into an analytic that can be of use to your future planning, as well as software, as well as others who are just experts, vendors, partners, service providers that can help support on that front too. And really that can be anything from Take inbound shipping, shipments coming in from a supplier or vendor. Whose shipping account is picking up the tab? Is it the business who is receiving the shipment, that inbound shipment? Is it their supplier? And then what would it look like if the way that it was being done was the opposite? So instead of the vendor account number or supplier account number picking up the tab, what would the cost of that shipment be instead if the shipper, or in this case, the business who's receiving the shipment was picking up the tab. That's a complicated analytic, perhaps easy enough to say in a couple sentences, but a lot more cumbersome to actually analyze that and determine if the way that things are being done are the best way. What about analytics at the customer end? Customer satisfaction, of course, is the whole name of the game. When it comes to understanding how customers reacted historically, can companies draw both on direct customer feedback as well as unstructured data that they might find on social media? Can all that be rolled into a forward-looking logistics strategy? Sure. Off the cuff, if we were to look at or ask ourselves, when we're a customer, what's the most important thing to us when we place an order with somebody? I would say, one, that it gets to me either on time or as quick as possible. So the timeliness of me receiving my order, and number two, that it be intact. I mean, those are two fundamental parts of satisfaction, that it be 
intact and obviously what I ordered, and that it get to me as quick as possible. And so you can look at something like the service level that a business is selecting or purchasing from the carrier in order to get their product to the customer who has ordered from them. I'll use a perhaps basic example of that is just the concept of whether an air service is used or whether a ground service is used. Even rewinding a bit more, whether the business or let's use an e-commerce site, whether the e-commerce site is asking their customer whether they want a specific service level of the carrier or if they're asking the customer instead, what day do you want this delivered? And then using internal systems like shipping software to select not only the optimal carrier, but the optimal service level that will get that product to their customer buyer before the date that the customer expects it and doing such in a way that it's most cost effective. And what you find a lot of times is that businesses will end up asking their customer, hey, do you want to use this next day air service or this two day air service? Instead of asking, do you want to receive this thing on Friday? And then selecting oftentimes ground, looking at the parcel world, if you look at ground shipping, ground will guarantee that something will get there next day if you're shipping to zone two. Whereas if instead a two-day air service is selected, that's going to guarantee in two days. So you could actually get a product to a customer who's relatively close to you not only faster, but also cheaper if you're using what would at surface level be presumed to be a, an inferior service, ground versus two-day air shipping. So you could end up not paying less, but still meeting the customer's demand for a day-specific delivery. Yeah, but again, back to your question, it's important to tie back to customer satisfaction. How much more happy is a customer going to be if they said, yeah, I want it here two days from now, but you are able to get it there not only a day faster, but also at a lower cost for your bottom line. That's mm -hmm. a great thing. That's a win-win. Do you think companies are not sufficiently thinking through the whole policy on free shipping versus charging and maybe a tiered charging for shipping, depending on how soon customers want it, that they're just automatically adopting certain pricing strategies that really aren't based on thinking it through? It's rare that a company doesn't think it through, but there are a lot of factors to think through. And it's not just the competition and whether your widget that you're selling is retailing for $21 and somebody else is retailing for $20 and then yours is free shipping and theirs might be pay for shipping or vice versa. That's an obvious couple of variables to consider, but you also have things like the after the fact carrier surcharges or fees that show up after your shipping system has calculated what the anticipated cost of shipping will be. And there's a lot of in-transit charges, things like address correction fees or delivery area surcharges that may not be getting factored in on the front end. And what I've found oftentimes is that if a company is giving free shipping, they're obviously then putting the expense or cost of that shipping into the margin or markup of their product, but oftentimes they're failing to account for some of these very common in-transit fees that are not being factored into that front-end anticipated cost. So these so-called surprise fees needn't be a surprise if you're paying attention. I mean, you can anticipate 
a carrier coming back and saying, here's an address correction fee or something like that, even if you didn't know it was going to happen in the first place? Well, you can certainly look at your history. If you're looking at your historical data, whether you can anticipate that starting with a blank page or not, that might be difficult, but most businesses have some history there to look at. And you can certainly look at the prevalence of that type of stuff if you're looking at the past. Look at dimensional and, and or weight adjustments. The weight of a package can be altered by the dimensions of the package. It's called dimensional pricing. And if you're missing something on the front end of what you expect the package to cost that is later being adjusted or trued up by the carrier once they receive the package and reweigh it, that's a huge thing that can ultimately increase the cost that shows up on your invoice from the carrier and yet not have been accounted for in the margin in your product and or the cost or fee that you passed along to your customer for shipping. To what extent do you think that companies, their shipping operations are, are actually being siloed from other aspects of the business, such as manufacturing and procurement and the like, and how does that contribute to this problem? The bigger a company is, the more departmental they become, and frankly, the harder it is to tie all of those data points, those activities, those departments together. And it's a real challenge. It can be done. It is done and done well by a select few. You got to understand that most companies that are shipping lots of stuff, they're more marketing and sales. That That's their origins, marketing and sales. It's not logistics. And so logistics is almost for most businesses, I would say, it's a necessary evil. And yet the expertise to effectively mitigate those costs, as we said at the beginning, it's a matter of limited resources and or tools and or support surrounding that. And becomes exacerbated by also what we said at the beginning, that these companies are experiencing a surge in online business and all they're just scrambling to keep up. They're throwing money at the carriers. They're just doing what they can in order to get the stuff out the door. I mean, I can sympathetically feel that for them. And yet you're saying that that is not an acceptable path to follow, even if well, we I, do understand the situation. I think this concept of single sourcing, especially in the parcel world, which candidly is where a majority of my expertise falls, there's only a couple carriers that can service you there, right? It's primarily UPS and FedEx with a, a distant third of the post office. And sure, there's regionals, but UPS and FedEx, and what a lot of times companies have tended to do is end up just setting up their operations where they're really integrated and dependent upon and single sourcing from one carrier. And what has happened in the past, what has happened over this past year, is that can really bite a company as rates go up in these hard times for the shippers, it, it is a difficult time for the carriers, but they're in control. They have the ability to change their pricing whenever. And if your operation isn't set up to easily dual source or multi-source, you're very much handcuffed and, and subject to, you could say, the whims of the carrier that you're sourcing from. And that can and has really impacted a lot of businesses and their ability to get stuff out the door and ultimately the satisfaction of their customers or lack thereof in not receiving their product. Okay, so what's our takeaway here? What is your advice to companies in terms of getting their act together on shipping? To put it at a high level, I would say don't just take the time. Make the time to look back. 
either have the dedicated resources on your team or find the tools or vendors who can support you in looking back at what has been happening. And there's lots of variables that tie into ultimately the cost of transportation or shipping. And there's a lot that can be illuminated by way of opportunity to improve and control and manage costs if you look at your past. So whatever the thing is or combination of thing is, look at your past and also just figure out how to set up your shipping operations so that you have the flexibility and control of who you're tendering a shipment to and that you haven't handcuffed yourself to a particular carrier or even if you have, that you have the ability to on a dime pivot and change. That is some great advice. Luke Coopersmith of Logistic, I want to thank you so much for detailing these common mistakes that companies are making in their logistic strategies and how they can correct them. Thank you so much for being with me today. Bob, I really appreciate you having me here. That was my conversation with Luke Coopersmith of Logistic, talking about costly shipping mistakes and how to correct them. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.